0: Now, this is the fourth part to this series called the Daniel Dilemma. And we find ourselves in a dilemma, as Daniel did in his day, where uh, society or culture, we call it sometimes, uh, back in the day, in Daniel's day, it was Babylon pushed Daniel and his friends to the limit and, and, and said, uh, bow or die. That was what the king's orders were. You either bow or you die. And Daniel and his friends did not bow. They stood firm in their faith, but they did it with love. So we've been looking at this dilemma. We're we're caught in this culture. The culture is commanding us as Christians to bow. Bow to Babylon. Bow to the world system. Bow to the culture. Bow to the, the, the gods of this day. Or be killed. And we need to know how to stand firm and at the same time love well. And Daniel loved well. And the, this is the fourth uh, week. And so if you weren't with us the previous three weeks, you can go back online and you can watch that. But the fourth week, this week, we're learning how to love well. To love well. Loving like Jesus loves. And so. Um, we see you know uh, a lot of this generation believing that in order to love well you have to in the name of love change the Bible to fit the people that you're trying to love and that's absolutely not the truth we can't change the Word of God in order to fit the people that we're trying to love listen God is love and God embodies love and the most loving thing that God could say to us is hey turn from your sin let me change your life and so what I believe is that you can actually do both you can stand firm on your faith and stand firm in truth and love well with grace everybody say grace it's very important grace and truth and if you notice the uh, the, the logo uh, uh, for, this, for this series. You can see it on your notes here. There's, there's the, the truth of God's Word on one side of the balance and the heart on the other side of, of the scale, the balance there. So we believe that by truth and by love, we can have an influence instead of being influenced, right? And we can stand firm and we can love well at the same time. So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, That the only thing, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. Love. Everybody say love. love. See, it's faith doing something. Faith works. Faith does. You know, James talks about showing your faith by your works. Do something, but do it motivated by love because God is love. And we talked about you know that in the couple of uh, the first weeks of of the series God is love first first John 4 7 and 8 God is love and so look at what Jesus said in John 13 there in your notes again this second scripture a new commandment that I give you love one another as I have loved you Jesus see gave us example before he told us what to do he always ex- demonstrated before he taught he was he was the example he was the mentor he is our mentor and then he said by all by this by loving one another men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another and so love is important it's so important and that's what the world needs and what the world is honestly looking for they want to see the Church of God act like we've been preaching. Instead of unlovely, we need to act lovely. We need to be love manifested to this earth. We need to be for something and not against everything. We need to be for people. Be for people. (laughs) Right? Not against people. And so through these weeks, we've seen Daniel stand firm in a culture that was against him. But he also influenced people around them. And we're learning this. We're learning this. And you can write this down. We cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. You cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. It has been said that you'll never win your enemies to Christ. So don't have any. You can never win your enemies to Christ, so don't have any. What, what did Jesus tell us about enemies? I mean, we, we need to take a look at that, right? Turn your, turn your enemies into your friends. What a thought. Turn your enemies into your friends. Well, but they don't love me. No, no, well, wait a minute. <laughs> so, obviously, today this message is on love. And I love messages on love. It's one of my favorite subjects because it's so close to Jesus and God is love. And so now you're getting in the mode and recalling all the messages that you've heard about love. And so I can feel at this point, everybody's saying, well, pastor, you know, that's good. That's good. I, I, I got that. I'm good. You know, those are nice principles, but, but, but. Give us something deep. Bring me some deep teaching. And what people like that mean is that they want to hear something that they've never heard before. They want to be able to say, wow, that pastor, he, he, he knows so much. And, and he's so smart. And that was such a deep message today. Listen. Listen at me and look in my eyes. The guy who's drowning doesn't want the Greek word for life raft. He wants you to throw him one. Just throw it out there. You can explain what the life raft is after he's on the shore. Right? When he's safely on the shore, then you take the time to explain everything about the life raft. And so you want something deep. You want a deep teaching. I've heard this. I feel this, you know. There's deep. There's deep. Well, here's deep. I'll give you deep. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. You know, a lot of us, we just have to admit that we want deep, but we're not even doing the basic principles of the Bible. <laughs> and so love, not, nothing, overshadows love nothing it is the primary principle of the word of god and so without love now in your notes without love all that i say that's the first blank is ineffective all that i say is ineffective you know first corinthians we're going to talk about first corinthians 13 and it talks about all the attributes of love or characteristics of love And so we're going to go down the list now, not through all of them, but through some significant parts of love. And you can write this out in your notes too. 1 Corinthians really is what it's saying, the synopsis of 1 Corinthians is, let love be your greatest aim. Let love be your greatest aim. So without love, all that I say is ineffective. You know, it's not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts. It's about winning hearts. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You can speak eloquently, and everything that you say sounds nice, but if the motivation is not love, then people are saying, you know what? Just be quiet and sit down. People can identify whether the words that you speak are motivated by love in your heart, or you're just saying what you should be saying because that's what you think you should be saying, right? I think we live, and I think it's very obvious that we live in a, a very toxic, opinionated, vulgar, critical culture. And listen, let's just be honest and and say, say it, let's say it. The popular thing to do is to argue. To argue. But the Bible teaches us that we shouldn't argue. We shouldn't argue. Just, just read the hundreds of scriptures that talk about your tongue and about talking to someone who's unwise and a fool. And, 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 and we shouldn't be caught up as Christians in this argument. You know, um, we've, we've lived in this culture now that has glorified opinion and comments. And I think social media feeds it. The political world definitely feeds it. I mean, if I if I disagree with you, I no longer just disagree with you. If I disagree with you, I hate you, and you must die because I disagree. We we have to call this out, guys. Yes. We have to say it in in our house. This is a home meeting here, guys. I understand that we're making a video, and I think, I understand that it's going out. It's going out, but uh, I'm not responsible for the world and how they act, but I am responsible to tell you the truth so that it can set you free and so that you can understand why the world is the way it is right now. It's because there's hatred and we don't need to participate in the hatred. There's a way to handle it. And the way of love is always, always higher. It's the more excellent way. But the world is out to hate. Haters going to hate, right? It's true. Listen. You can't change what's, what's coming out of someone's mouth until you change what's in their heart. Right? So don't be distracted by words of hate when someone doesn't even have Jesus in their heart. Right? We need to learn how to love Smile and pray for the person while they're spewing out words of hate. People speak words of hatred because there's hurt in their heart. The only one that can heal that hurt is who? Jesus. And so are they going to see Jesus in us? Are we going to be just one more person that kicks them down the road of life and says, you know what? You're not worth anything. Because most of them that are spewing hate have heard that all of their life. Right? I know it's getting tense in here. But listen, it doesn't matter what I say. If you don't know that I love you, then what I say has no meaning at all. It's true. People don't care how much you know. We're going to get to this next point here. I'm getting ahead of myself. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? So love has to be predominant in our life so that we can stand firm in our faith and make an influence on our, on our culture, on the world that we're living in. And so I'm calling for a stoppage to all the hate talk or they used to be called smack or trash talk, right? But listen, it begins with M-E. I've got to ch- take a check up from the neck up and, and, lis- and listen to what's coming out my mouth. And if I disagree with someone that's in the public arena, I should pray for them, number one, that if they don't know Jesus, they would find Jesus. And then quit going around and spewing a bunch of junk, putting people down. Right? Look at Ephesians chapter four and verse twenty-nine. This is one of my favorite scriptures of the Bible. Now, this—I'm just telling you—this is tough. This is not for weenie Christians, <laughs> milk toast Christians, weak need, weak need, spineless, or rubber band spine Christians this is a this is a full-grown mature scripture right here Ephesians 429 says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth right there's no if ands or buts there I mean just do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only the talk that is helpful for building people up, that it might benefit those who listen and, and listen. When you're in a group of people and people are standing around, those people, maybe you're not even addressing the person that's standing around, but they're listening to the words coming out of your mouth. Make sure that those words are words that build people up, not tear people down, right? Right? Anybody can just repeat a hateful statement. Anybody can just repeat the hate that's going on in the world. I know I'm dwelling on this one point really heavily right now, but this is a huge point and it's very relevant In our culture, I I wanted to find out what was going on in the world the other day, and so I turned on the the TV, and I'm looking, and it was a talk show. I'm not going to tell you what talk show, but there was such hatred. I, I honestly began to get real nauseated until I turned it off, and I said, listen. I, I can't imagine somebody sitting there and listening to that vitriol, the, the hatred between people that are being paid on the same TV program to spew hate at each other and talk about our nation's leaders with such hatred. And listen, I don't care who's in office. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that we should pray for all men and women who are in authority. And listen, we, we have a, 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 a political system that is polarized, right, left, and, and we as the church don't need to be polarized. We need to stay on the God side and speak well about people. Speak well about people. Whether you agree with them or not, it doesn't matter. This verse is still in the Bible. You're not going to erase it, and you're not going to change it. So my prayer is, God, help me that everything that I speak to my wife, my child, uh, the people that I work with, and anybody that is in either political party, let those words be edifying, and build people up. Let's respect ourselves and those around us enough to say things that build people up. The second point, without love, all that I know is insignificant. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. Really, I don't care how much you know they say that knowledge whoever they is say that knowledge is doubling every three years I don't know if that's true or not but that's just that's crazy to think about isn't it if knowledge is doubling every three years so we we can all agree that we're as the world we're getting smarter but the world that we live in is worse off so at the same time we've got a lot of knowledge and better Phones and computers and everything else, but a worse world. And the Bible says, if if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, like uh, there's nothing that we don't know. But if we don't have love, then we've missed everything. It says, I'm, I'm I'm nothing without love. No matter how smart you are. The third point here: without love, all I believe, all I believe, is insufficient believe. So 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. You know, we put such emphasis on faith and moving mountains and believing, but we, we fail to realize that Mark 11.25 says, if we stand praying and we have unforgiveness towards someone, we need to make it right so that our faith can work. And our faith will not work if we do not walk in love and manifest the love of God. So it really doesn't matter what I believe uh, about Jesus or if I do believe in Jesus. You know, uh, congratulations. The devil believes in Jesus. But that belief is not enough. It's not, not enough. We, you know, we have to attach some behavior with our belief. And that behavior motivated by love, that's what changes things. Without love, number four there, all I give is incomplete. All I give is incomplete. 1 Corinthians thirteen three says, If I give all that I possess to the poor and have not love, giving is important. It's it's huge because it, it is so closely connected with the character of God. God so loved that He gave. That is probably the most famous scripture in the Bible in the day that we're living in, John 3 16. For God so loved that He gave. And giving is such a part of love. But there are, are people that give without motivated by love. And you know, it's not so much important about the amount that you give. It's the heart and the love for people when we give that matters to our giving. If you're not careful, listen, giving can become a source of pride. Look what I did. Look what I gave. Look at this. I'm so loving and I'm so giving and that's not what the, the point is about giving, right? Right? It's about loving someone. It's about seeing people like God sees them and then being like Jesus and helping somebody that's in need. Without love, the next point there, without love, all that I accomplish is inadequate. All that I accomplish, accomplish is true. We live in a culture of trophies, a trophy culture. We love accolades and accomplishments right? There's five star and ratings for everything. And we were voted the best and the New York bestsellers list, the accomplishments that we love to hear and, and recognize. And while, you know, while, you know, recognizing accomplishments is not all wrong, we have to bring things back into perspective. You can accomplish wonderful things, but you have to be aware that one day, uh, there's going to be an audit before God. There's actually two judgments that, that's coming in the future. There's, there's the great white throne judgment, and then there's the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment is going to be heaven or hell. It's going to be about heaven or hell. And there's only one thing that matters there. If I gave my heart to Jesus or not. You cannot do enough things to receive eternal life. You can only surrender, confess, and believe that Jesus is your Lord. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where God is going to reward us based on not the good things or the bad things or how many good things we did, but on why we did them, on how we loved people on how we treated people. And it's going to be based on the motive behind our accomplishments. If I served people so that I could one day boast, then guess what? There's no reward in that accomplishment. Love is the determining factor of our rewards. First Corinthians 13, 3 says there, if I give over my body the hardship that I may boast... But I do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. So we could say life minus love equals zero. Life minus love equals zero. Everything that we do should be motivated by the love of God. So that that puts a responsibility on us to understand the love of God. And then to to be motivated by that love, because in First John it talks about how the love of God is in us, and the love of God in Romans five five, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And so our motives should be loving motives. Look at First Corinthians thirteen. It's in your, I believe it's in your notes. Yeah, right at the bottom of the first page here. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. That's why I talk about the word respect so much. Because I believe respect is such a huge part of love. And we're seeing today a a disrespect for ourselves and a disrespect for our neighbor and a disrespect for others. Love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, and it always trusts, and it always hopes, it always perseveres, and love never fails. So what would it look like if we just made the choice to love well every day? It may look a lot like Daniel's life. Daniel was very polite, and he stood strong, But you see he was respectful. You see him standing firm, but being influential and helpful in almost every situation that he was in. Daniel never budged on his convictions. But people respected and loved him. Look at Daniel chapter 6. These are some important scriptures right here. Daniel 6 verses 1 through 5 talking about the life of Daniel. Listen, Daniel influenced two kings. Two kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Darius. And and laws were made because of the actions and the choices, the choices and the actions that Daniel took in his life while he was at that point. And he was a, a young man, right? Daniel... Chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 100, 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. And so you, you don't need to know what the word satraps means other than a ruler. It's like a, like a mayor. Someone in charge of a certain territory. The satraps. 120 to rule throughout the kingdom with three administ, administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So, like, Daniel was, like, second in command at this point, right? The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, listen at this verse here. Verse 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Underline that. Phrase there exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Exceptional qualities. We should be asking what were those exceptional qualities. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for changes for charges. Sorry, against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. So we notice the phrase exceptional qualities. Listen, guys, you don't have to be the most talented or the most intelligent. Those things are great. And I don't want to take anything away from being talented and and intelligent. And, you, you know, you can increase your talents and your intelligence with discipline, but in the end, you have to make the right choice. You have to make the right choice whether you're going to love well, whether you're going to have a good attitude, whether you're going to speak with grace, and you're going to speak well about others. And listen, those aren't feelings, they're choices. So here's a few things that you can do tomorrow when you, go, when you go back into your world. Number one, serve them. Write that down in the blank there. Serve them. Wherever you go, there they are. This group called them. <laughs> Let me say that again so you'll catch it. Wherever you go, there they are that group called them (laughs) serve them this is huge because rarely do we take our take the time to take our eyes off of ourselves and begin to look around at people that are in their same office riding your same bus maybe if you're out of school right now for the summer you're not riding the bus but People all around you all day long that are hurting, they're tired, they're confused, they're worn out, and they need a good word. When you speak good words to people, listen, this is not a feel-good message. There's power in the words that we speak. When we speak words that are filled with the grace of God, it builds people up. It may be the first and only good word that they hear all day long. That's, that's one way you can serve people. It's just being the, the positive influence in the world that you live in, where you go, the, where, where you're hanging out for eight or nine hours a day on your job. I guarantee you, your company needs some positive people there. Right? <laughs> so, Go into your world tomorrow and say, I'm going to figure out a way to serve the people around me. I'm going to find needs, and I'm going to try to figure out how I can fill those needs. You know what, what, what leadership is looking to promote? If, you, if you're looking for a promotion, listen to me. Look at look my eyes, perk up your ears. If you're looking for a promotion, here's what leaders love to find are people that will go outside of their own little responsibilities and start doing things that need to be done just because they need to be done. Right? People that can recognize problems before they ever become problems and produce solutions. You, you you've got a choice. I've got a choice. Either we can be part of the problem gang where everybody's just pointing out problems or we can be part of the solution gang where the Lord leads us to help people find solutions and to be positive. That, that, this is one way of serving. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19, he said this, Paul, Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So, Paul was making himself available. Now, let me explain the word slave here. Because in the Greek, it's talking about a bond servant. That is someone that says, I will do what you need me to do for your benefit. Right? And so, it's hard for us to understand that word, especially if we have no frame of reference of the love of God. But Paul says, because I'm filled with the love of God, I'm here to serve you. I'm here for your benefit. Help me to help you. Tell me what you need. I'm here. I will be here to serve you. If something needs to be done, I'm not going to walk the other way and turn my head and pretend like it doesn't exist. Because that's the way the world does. If somebody's hurt or broken or downcast or in the gutter, they're just like, yeah, I'm headed this way. I don't see that way. Right? But Paul said, I'm not being forced to do anything. I choose to serve. And listen, we forget that because we belong to Jesus, we have the heart of Jesus. And Jesus came to serve. In our humanness, we don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to be controlled. And we don't want to give up our will because we view it as weakness. But God views it as strength. To say this, I love you enough to serve you and to meet your needs rather than to try to get you to meet mine. That's the true heart of being a servant. And listen, if, if, you, if you take on that heart of a servant, people will recognize you. you. You will stand out in a crowd. People will start noticing you. And this was Paul's goal. His goal was to win hearts by serving people. And Jesus did that. Jesus won people's hearts by serving them. Uh, if you just write this scripture reference down, Luke 19, you can go back and study it. Later, but I'm going to draw, con- draw a conclusion here or a, a, a point about Jesus' heart to serve people. Jesus connected before he corrected. Jesus connected before he corrected. Jesus did this with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was in a tree because he was so short that he couldn't see Jesus in the crowd. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and the Bible says in Luke 19 that he robbed many people. He was a robber, he was a thief, and he took more money than he should have. But he was intrigued by the servitude of Jesus. And so he climbed up the tree to find this Jesus, and he was up in the tree, and Jesus saw him, and Jesus knew that he was a tax collector. And Jesus also knew that he had stolen money from people. Think about that. Jesus knew all this about Zacchaeus, but Jesus didn't call him a thief in front of everybody. Instead, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he called him by name and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. (laughs) In other words, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house and have some lunch. When Jesus could have called Zacchaeus out, he said, "Hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house for lunch." This short man up in the tree stopped Jesus, and Jesus treated him like a friend. And said, "Hey, I need to go to your house today. You just study it out. Think about think about the respect that Jesus gave to this thief." And we know that there was a change in Zacchaeus' life because apparently something happened. When Jesus and Zacchaeus were having lunch together, where Jesus connected with the heart of Zacchaeus, because the end result was Zacchaeus giving giving half of his goods to the poor, and four times as much stuff back to the people that he stole from. I mean, this, this heart of the thief changed like that, because of the connection that Jesus made with Zacchaeus. I'm talking about connection now. How can we connect with people? How do you connect with people? Write this down. Ask questions. Ask questions. With the right motive. Because you genuinely care about people. I care about you, so I'm asking you this question. How are you doing today? How, how's your family going? I remember you were having problems a couple of weeks ago. Or I was remembering that you, that you had a medical medical procedure done. How did that go? Just connect with people by asking questions. Tell me what's going on in your life. People may be hesitant at first when you ask them a question that maybe is that personal, but that ministers to them. It shows that you're thinking about them and not only about you know what they're wearing or their nice jewelry or their handbag or the guys you know or you know you're not just looking at the outside but you really care about their heart tell me how how, how's it going in your life tell me what's going on in your life I wanna know I wanna here's a good one I wanna know this so I can pray for you now not in front of everybody at the lunch table it's your job but when you're with somebody privately I worked a job down in Buckhead uh, years ago and people would come flooding in my office and shut the door. I mean, one at a time, but a lot of times with tears in their eyes saying, I just need you to pray for me. And to the place where I had, I I, I had to say to them, listen, (laughs) if somebody walks in here and they see all I'm doing is praying for all these people in this office, there was 40 people in the office. If I'm just praying for people all day long, they're going to fire me. So, we're here to pray, but write it down and give it to me. (laughs) I'll pray before I come in and pray when we go home. You know, it's just connecting with people. Number two, the second way that we can love well is set an example for them. Set an example for them. And I know I I can hear you saying, you know, I want to be a perfect example. I want to be a perfect example because Jesus was a perfect example, and I want to be that perfect example. But listen, you need to be a real example. And a real example is one who has faults and fails from time to time, but admits that you're just a human and admits when you do fall and you do fail. And a real example is an example that's growing. All the time, growing, growing, growing. That's why we encourage you. Get involved in the discipleship classes on Wednesday night. Get involved in the growth track when you become a member of the church and then you find out some of the the talents and abilities that God has given you and then plug in and serve on a team. And grow in God. And people, listen, people around you will start seeing the growth in your life, the spiritual growth in in your life, and they'll recognize that there's something going on on the inside of you. And listen, they, they'll come up and ask you, what is going on? I mean, you you have radically changed in two months, three months, six months. People will recognize. They recognize it on Daniel's life. And people will be attracted to you and want to follow you. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. This is Jesus. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it made, be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except To be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So Jesus says that you're the salt of the earth. So everywhere you walk and everywhere you go, you make things taste better. And people say, mmm, there they come. Mmm, I like how this is tasting. Maybe tomorrow what you do is you stop by Krispy Kreme. And you pack up a couple of boxes of warm, hot freshness. And bring it up into the office and say, hmm, let's see how this tastes. And, and, you know... (laughs) This is maybe, this is serving them, but maybe the whole office doesn't need donuts. But it's a way, (laughs) it's a way to show people and be the example. Listen, be, be light, be light. The thing about light is that it doesn't have to advertise that it's light. It just shines, just shines, just shines. And light, listen, light shows the way out of darkness. It shows the way out of darkness. I was looking at lights the other day because we're we're working on the uh, plan. Uh, Dorian and I and some others are working on the plan to do the Cafe Connect up in the front of the building. We haven't forgot it. We just want to get everything down precisely so that we have a, a, a more accurate number. For the plan and the project, but we were looking at, I was looking at lights, LED lights, and now they have lights that you can actually put in your house that are Wi-Fi lights that you can control with your, with your uh, cell phone. You can make them uh, warm or bright or, I mean, it's wild what you can do with lights these days, especially with the invention of the LED lights. But one thing that they have in common, all lights, including a match, is that when you put it in a dark room, you begin to see what you couldn't see when it was dark. Right? Even if you struck a match, if we turn all the lights off here and struck a match, we would begin to see something. So here's the point. Don't worry about what kind of light you are. Just turn up your intensity by following Jesus. Turn up your intensity by following Jesus closer. Live like Jesus lives and do good deeds and people will want to know what is different about you. Your life speaks and your life shines. And the last point, the way to love well. Number three, share Christ with them share Christ with them. 1 Peter 3:15 says, "But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness, underline that, gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ" may be ashamed of their slander. And listen, that, that last part, those people that recognize that they slandered you, it may take a while. It may take a while. Because people need to see your good deeds and your good work and your gentleness and your respect when people are slandering you. Gentleness and respect is a key to sharing Jesus. Just like I said before, when we ask questions, when we ask somebody a question, it opens their heart. That's why it's always important when you're asking someone a personal question, get their permission. Say, hey, I was thinking just the other day about you, and I just... With your permission, can I ask you a personal question? I mean, that that works so much better than just saying, uh, heaven or hell, do you know Jesus? Turn or burn. Really? Really? (laughs) Really? Gentleness and respect. Getting permission is so respectful. And in these days where we live with such a lack of respect, to give somebody respect is loving them in a way that they may have rarely experienced. Demonstrating love will open the door for dialogue every time. You want to talk with people, not at them. Ask questions with gentleness. And always be ready to share your story of how you met Jesus. And not only how you met Jesus, but why you love Jesus. And why Jesus loves that person. Right? So here's a quote. I don't, I'm not, it's not in your notes. It's from St. Francis of Assisi. And it's, it's a great quote. I've heard it hundreds of times: "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." So the last blanks there on your page: "How I act, how I act is more important than what I say. How I act is more important than what I say." Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Absolutely. So we can stand firm on the truth of God's word. We're not changing the truth because the truth is only, the only thing that will set us free. But we have to do a better job at loving well and being a reflection of the love of Jesus in a world that's so filled with hate, guys. You can't fight hate with hate. Nobody wins. Love covers, right? Love never fails. So we can say it like this, love always wins, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you.